Hey there. Uh, we would like to welcome you back to our biannual episode of Drink Pod Repeat. <laughs> I think we got six in last year. So. Uh, this has been a long time coming. I believe our our last attempt at this was back in December. It's, yeah, it was. We, this is the first pod of 2016. Yeah, and yeah. it is more than halfway through. 2016. Yeah, so. this, this has been in the works. Um, if if you're just tuning in for the first time, welcome. Um, and if not, uh, once again, I am Nick. I am Cam. And we are your wonderful host for a wrap-up of South Carolina beer news and really whatever we feel like talking about down the line. Mostly that. Um, but yeah, we, it's kind of weird that we're actually doing this again. Um I don't know. I never thought it would happen. I figured it would kind of fade out. But every once in a while, someone would walk up to me and ask if the podcast was dead or if we were just kind of in hiatus. And I like to think that we were just, we were buying our time. It was it was just hiatus. We were just discovering who we were as people and as, <laughs> and as friends. We had a lot of time to, you know, no pressure of the podcast. We had to go on vision quests. Yeah. You know, um, we had to of- do some soul searching. Did a lot of ayahuasca, and a lot. Of, yeah, that is one episode that we will um, we'll have coming up. Just the ayahuasca episode, copious amount. Um, <laughs> we're already going off the rails, and we're just getting started. That's okay. Um, but yeah, we're we're really excited to do this again. Um, I, I actually reached out to Cam uh, just the other day. It was uh, yesterday. It was we yesterday. Yes, yeah, so happened quickly. We're recording yeah. this on Tuesday, and I touched base with him on Monday. I was on the way back from. Uh, if you follow me, uh, drink blogger Pete on on any of the social media that's out there, you know that I was down in Tampa this past week for the uh, 2016 Beer Bloggers and Writers Conference, mm-hmm. um, which I think I talked about the 2015 one on, on did, one of our did, episodes last year. We did year. an episode where you talked about it, and I said that I was going to go this year, and I failed. Yeah, but that's yeah. okay. Uh, but I was on the way back from Tampa on um, Monday afternoon after. Three days of schmoozing with some really awesome folks and kind of picking up some tips and tricks for the blog and just having a really awesome time. And I kind of came back with a renewed sense of doing what I've been doing with the blog for the past few years and wanted to try some new things and reached out to Cam and said, you know, we should, we should do another podcast and get this all back together and try to make it a regular thing. And he said he was on the same front. Oh, yeah. So we're um, we're doing this. Um, we'll get back in the group eventually. We never really do this, you know, professionally to begin with. So no, but that's why you like this because you can feel like you're one of us, just a schmutz talking, just with a way too close microphone, drinking craft beer, drinking yeah, beer, and yammering, yammering on. Um, but one of the things that we're gonna try to do, um, we're gonna try a new format. We're gonna try switching some things up. Um, our our regular um can you dig it or do we call it dig or no dig or can you dig can you dig it yeah Yeah. Yeah. see it's been so long i forgot what it actually was called um but where we just kind of give some thoughts on whatever we've been drinking throughout the evening we will do that every once in a while but uh we like to kind of stay semi-coherent and not get really shitty when we want to talk about stuff so it won't be a crutch we're gonna take it a little lighter um and try to focus on some news um and throw in some things here or there but um, you know, if you have any thoughts, feel free to contact us at Drink Pod Repeat on Facebook and uh, Twitter. Um, 
You can also find me at Drink Blog Repeat, uh, real original, um, on all that. And you can bug Cam at the Brew Bus. Yeah, find me at Columbia Brew Bus on uh, all the social medias. We, uh, yeah, we stretched for the name there. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Where'd you get it from? That's that's a. Just came to me. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, so we're gonna start off, um, get into some recent South Carolina craft beer news. The first of which happened just this, uh, not yesterday, but in the past couple of days or so. Mm-hmm. Um, the 2016 U- U.S. Open Beer Championships, which is an annual competition that's held once a year, hence the fact that it's annual, uh, um, includes professional breweries and home brewers um, from across the country and around the world submitting their stuff for judging um, in 90 different styles and 5,000 beers submitted this year. Um, so a great range of stuff, uh, and they all get kind of divided out into bronze, uh, silver, or gold. And this year, three South Carolina breweries came home with medals from the competition uh, in four different categories. Um, yeah. So the first off was um, River Dog out of uh, Ridgeland, down near the Hilton Head area. They won bronze for their Force 10 Imperial IPA. Um, and then two Charleston area breweries also won uh, Tradesman, one for their uh, dry branch saison. They got a bronze in the French Belgian saison category. Uh, River Dog, again going back to Ridgeland, uh, one for their River Walk Empire. They got a silver for that in the international style pilsner. And then the always great Revelry Gullah Cream Ale from Revelry Brewing Company to Kome Gold. Uh, really? In, in the American Cream Ale category, yeah. Fantastic. And on the heels of that announcement, they also said that the beer will be available in Tallboy cans very shortly. Nice. That would be really nice. Yeah. Um, that's a really good beer. Um, Revelry's been doing a lot of packaging stuff recently. They've done a lot of interesting, interesting things. They've gotten more into uh, collabs recently. They've done a handful of bottle releases. They're uh, They're really like, you know, getting into the, I guess, you know, other than just having great things in the tap room and distribution-wise, like, they're starting to to pick up their game. Yeah, one of the things um, that happened since our last attempt at a podcast was the annual Brewvival Festival down in Charleston, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, the Sunday after the festival, uh, Revelry had their first bottle release. Actually, yeah, yeah, I think it was their first bottle release because it was four bottles at once, Um and I can't remember all the ones off the top of my head, but I had a chance to go by and pick up a few, uh, and they were all fantastic. And ever since then, um, Revelry's really stepped their game up um, in the the packaging department, putting out a whole lot more stuff. And in, as Cam mentioned, a lot of collaborations. They've worked with Burial, Jolly Pumpkin. Um, they've been... Working in some other places recently. Again, I can't remember off the top of my head. We're doing this kind of by the seat of our pants. I didn't really have a chance to do a lot of like background research on any of these stories again. This, so it was an, an impromptu recording. We're uh, for, forgive our ignorance, um, but uh, it's exciting as always to see um, South Carolina breweries take home some hardware. Revelry won, uh, I think, four medals last year. Um, Gullah Cream actually got a silver, uh, so this year got a gold. 
So it shows if the recipe's changed or if the rest of the field has just gotten a whole lot weaker. But it's awesome to to see them do that well. Uh, So congratulations to Revelry and Tradesman and Riverdog for racking those up. Um, Next up, staying down the Charleston area, as we we usually do, because a lot goes on down there. They tend to have more (laughs) things happen more frequently. Yeah. Yeah, this weekend... Uh, will be the grand and opening grand granded opening. I thought we weren't supposed to be drunk today. No, no. Well, I'm never not. Okay. So yeah. it uh, it always helps. Maybe I'm still getting over that that weekend long hangover that I had. Um, but uh, grand yeah, Ghost Monkey is having their grand opening uh, this uh, Saturday through Sunday, actually July 15th through 17th. Okay. Um, they're gonna have different bands playing and. Uh, food trucks uh, all weekend long, um, different hours on each day, 4 to 10 on Friday, 11 to 10 on Saturday, and noon to 6 on Sunday. Uh, but that'll be cool. They will be the second brewery to open in Mount Pleasant. Uh, the other big one down there is obviously Westbrook. Westbrook, yep. Uh, I have not really heard a lot about Ghost Monkey. Um, I know that you know the people down in the Charleston area – have been talking them up. Uh, I've seen photos of, of friends and fellow brewers. Um, well, not fellow brewers. I'm not a brewer, but friends and brewers down there. And the spot looks great. And they've said that the product is really good. So uh, more power to them. Hopefully, yeah. we'll I'll be able to make a trip down there sometime, or they'll you know meander their way up here through yep. distribution or whatnot. I'm I'm currently on their website, and they've got uh, 15 taps. That they have listed for you know the different beers they will have available um, for their opening, it is uh, thirteen different beers, two uh, non-alcoholics, a lemonade, and a cold brew coffee um, oh. on tap. But uh, yeah, so thirteen different offerings right out of the gate. That is uh, that's impressive. Granted, you know it is it's a Nana brewery, so they won't have as much of each thing as it comes out, uh, but. That's uh that's really impressive for for a brewery to and ambitious to go after um, for your grand opening. So. Yeah, they have one that's the beer name is Lemonade and the style is this is as fresh. I wonder if that's just lemonade or if it's a new style they're I'm trying to go sure for. I'm pretty sure that's just lemonade. <laughs> the ABV is listed as zero. Fair enough. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and then cold brew coffee style is coffee. Um, although they also have a coffee style named Cup of Joe. They do. They do. Um, sour short. That's a good one. That's a sour brown, a five percent sour brown. Uh, slap yourself. It's a coffee pale ale. Um, well, that's interesting. Yeah, a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of styles that I'm interested in there. I I was I went to the website to see if there was uh, any rationale given for the name um, because Ghost Monkey sounds like the sequel to the Brendan Fraser classic Monkey Bone. <laughs> That's what it makes me think of. <laughs> really? So I am interested in... I would go more with Congo. Like, wouldn't... They have, like, ghost monkeys in there. Sure. Well, those are apes. Sure. They're different, but... Yeah. I'm going. Throwback. Yeah, I, I'm very confused by the name, <laughs> but interested. I would, you know, like, not... 
not all you know names don't have to make any sense as long as long as your product is good yeah who cares what your name is yeah we we've we've had this discussion before i, I couldn't give a fuck less what you call your brewery exactly or, or what the name of the beer is it can be the dumbest thing out there as long as it tastes good just be good yeah yeah um but the uh there's a piece of the moultrie news um that's m-o-u-t-l <laughs> No, no, M O U L T R I E. Come on! I I swear I haven't been drinking much. My friend, my friend. Uh, <laughs> I'm just. I think I have really mild dyslexia. My friend from college writes for them. Uh, Frank, oh, really? Frankie Mansfield, shout out. Okay. Um, but the yeah, the Moultrie News has a piece about uh, Ghost Monkey and their grand opening. Okay. Uh, but also Two Blokes Brewing, which will also be in Mount Pleasant. Uh, which should be open later this year. I think they're they're eyeing possibly the end of summer or the beginning of fall. Okay, according to this piece, uh, but Ghost Monkey is going to have an eighteen hundred square foot tap room uh, and a twenty eight hundred square foot brewery. Um, I I can't again. I would have found all this out if I had a chance to read this thoroughly ahead of time. But I believe it's a it's a nano brewery. It's a really small operation. That's what they claim. Yes, mm-hmm. nano brewery. Uh, so I'm sure sometime in a future episode, cause we're going to stick to and stick to this thing. Uh, we'll have more information on two blokes when they open up. I did, I did do a, a Google map search for Westbrook and ghost monkey and two blokes. They're all very close to each other. There's not a lot to Mount Pleasant. Mm-hmm. You know, it, like it's, it's a popular area, but yeah. as far as major roads, like, you know, I, I believe it's 526 that goes right through there. Mm-hmm. That will connect pretty much anything quickly. So Yeah, the um, this this piece in the Moultrie News says uh, the address for Ghost Monkey is 522 Wando Lane, which is just before the entrance to the Ports Authority Wando Welch Terminal at the end of Long Point. Um, again, that's all that's Greek to me. I don't know the area all that Absolutely, well. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but that, that would, could make for a good day of brewery hopping, going to yeah. Westbrook and then the other two. Um, and, and hopefully with the popularity of Westbrook uh, and people traveling down there to the brewery, that's uh, kind of a rising tide thing for the other two, and people will, will pop around. Or maybe they may go down specifically to visit two blokes or ghost monkey and go, well, Westbrook's there too. So yeah. why not? It's, it's good for the whole area. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Kudos so, to them. Yeah. Uh, also coming up this weekend here in Columbia is the third beer release for beer Keller. Um, I wish we had been around, uh, in the past few months to talk about beer Keller. I think we've mentioned them in the past and previous we, episode. We had, and Scott has actually reached out to us and is would like to do uh, to come on the podcast. Yeah, so hopefully I think we will great. have uh, Scott Burgess, the uh, purveyor and brewer of Beer Keller, will hopefully be joining us for a podcast here in the future. But uh, yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about what they've been doing. Yeah, so Beer Keller is it is not a physical brewery. It is um, a, a an operation or a brand um, that is kind of an offshoot. Of swamp cabbage, uh, so so Scott Burgess, who has uh, been a home brewer in Columbia for as long as I've known about craft beer, and Min- for much much longer, yeah, many moons, yeah, many many years, um, and who has been incredibly well regarded and very well respected for his his product, um, has finally gotten uh, everything together and started brewing at Swamp Cabbage and producing these traditional. Uh, more or less by the book, German ales and lagers. Um, he also 
uh, did a study abroad program in Germany when he was in college and lived there for, I think, 10 years after graduating. I, it was, I Don't quote me on that, but... Yeah, it was it was quite some time. I, I can't remember the exact amount either. I believe he was in uh, Bamberg, Germany. I think that's where yeah. it was. I'm sure he'll give us the whole rundown, and if he listens to this, he'll... He'll gladly correct us, and yes. as he should. Um, but in the past uh, few months, uh, he's really ramped up production, um, and he's had two beer releases so far. The first was at Swamp Cabbage back in, oh gosh, it was May or June, I mm-hmm. think. Um, and that was the Keller Weiss? no. Was it the Keller Weiss? No, it was the Kolsch. Kolsch, that's right, that's right. Yeah, another, yeah. another K beer, German K beer. Colombian or Kolsch was the name of it, um, and it was served in traditional uh, quarter liter glasses. Um, it was a very low ABV beer, incredibly drinkable, um, and it was uh, just an unbelievable success. I think they sold. Off of just pouring quarter liters alone, seven half barrels of the product. Uh, when I was there, they were having to fill kegs off fermenters. Yeah. Uh, that's how quickly this stuff was getting kicked. And that was really, really great um, to see them doing that well. And it was, uh, and this goes into something we'll talk about in a second with. Uh, what will be the bigger appeal of Beer Keller mm-hmm. in the coming months. But there were these big tables, these German-style beer garden tables set up with just families and groups of people who had never met before sitting together just talking for hours and hours and not getting smashed because you're drinking a very low ABV beer in small amounts. Incredibly drinkable. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, it the, the social aspect of it was what was you know, just, just really tied the whole thing together because yeah, I mean, you and I, you had been there for an hour or two before I got there. I sat there for, you know, a couple hours and had three or four liters. And I mean that it, you could barely feel it. I mean, yeah, yeah. I think my, I I lost count, not because I was intoxicated, but it was because I was just so caught up in the moment, but I'm pretty sure I drank at least three liters of the stuff while I was there. It was just so incredibly good. It's just a very clean beer. It's no frills. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and in a world where everything that is super sour or everything that is has to be barrel-aged or... So hoppy. Yeah, exactly. This this was just... It was just perfect. It was it yeah. was what... The, the, it was the kind of beer that I had been looking for. Exactly. And that was a hot day. I, I hate the term uh, crushable, but it was... Yes, yes. It was crushable, bro. It really was. Um, and then also, uh, it was a few weeks after that, I think it was maybe about a month or so ago, uh, he released his brown beer, mm-hmm. uh, which again, it was it, just a... Has it been a month? I think about, just okay. about, yeah. yeah. Um, I had just gotten back from a trip to the Outer Banks that day, and instead of, excuse me, uh, crashing at home and kind of recuperating, I decided to go out to Craft and Draft, because that's so uncommon for me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they've never seen you <laughs> and uh and and drink up and that was a little more of a low-key affair um the coach was also on tap but the brown was what the release for and they went through tons of it again um again doing small classic kind of style glasses but also bigger pours as well 
Uh, but everything was you know, two to four bucks per drink. Um, and again, just these big tables set up. Um, and just kind of this whole camaraderie that was really awesome to see. And again, nobody's getting shitty. Nobody's, yeah. you know, trying to just pound stuff back. They're just there to enjoy the moment, which is what they do in these, you know, German beer gardens. Yeah, I was going to say, it really does feel like a different cultural experience compared to, like, you know, when you get to, like, you know, I went to a bachelor party in Asheville a couple of weeks ago and we got together and drank. And as a result of getting together and drinking for a long period of time, we were blitzed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just what it, happens. It happens, yeah. It's what happens with a lot, you know, because we go places and we're like, oh, man, that IPA sounds really good. That stout sounds really good. And everything we're drinking is, you know, 6 7% or higher. And after three or four hours, you're just, you're on a different plane. Whereas, uh, you know, this stuff really just, you know, you can get, don't, don't, let us fool you into thinking that you can't get drunk of it. Oh yeah, of it. You, you absolutely couldn't. can uh, if you tried. But uh, it's just, it's way more about the the flavor of the beer and the the environment, uh, which you know, as you said earlier, uh, eventually Scott will you know be so the beer killer right now has just been releases. He will be transitioning into. Um, Freestanding beer gardens around town in Colombia is the idea. Uh, the first of these has yet to happen uh, outside of like a host facility. Um, but so w- when that does happen, you know, it'll really just be about like that beer in that environment are, you know, kind of freestanding and, and doing their own thing. So. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to be these pop-up beer gardens. The first is going to be at uh, the Brickyard over in Casey. Again, the, the date has not been announced. I've been talking with Scott about it. Yeah. Kind of off and on, and he said, "I mean, it's ready. To, they're ready to go. He just hesitant to do it when it's so hot outside. Yeah. So it it may be late summer. It may be early fall. Early fall. It's been, but it's, it's just been getting it hotter. Is, yeah. If if you don't live in Columbia or South Carolina, it is oppressively brutally hot here. I think the average all last week was 105, and the heat index was 115." It's just awful, and that's not something that you want to sit out in because it'll just be miserable. Even if you're drinking a really light beer like the Kolsch. Even at night, I mean, yeah, it's not getting, it's not cooling off until like 9, 30, 10, and I, I think that there are some regulations as far as pouring outside, like there are time limits. Something like I that, I think it's yeah. like 9 or 10 p.m. You can't pour outside after that, so like, you know, even starting later wouldn't help at all. Yeah, so. um, but the, these beer gardens are going to be all across town, um, and he actually uh, ran a, 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 a crowdfunding campaign on Indiegogo um, to raise $3,000 to purchase a mobile beer-serving wagon. It's the German term I'm not even going to try to pronounce. I will Aus- butcher it. Ausschank Wagen. Ausschank Wagen. Yeah. That may be close. Um, <laughs> probably not. No. Uh, but this is just a... Uh, it's just a wagon that you hook up to a car and drag around. It's got taps on it, and you pour the beer out of it. So when these pop-up gardens happen, he will have uh, this wagon. He'll have bands playing. He'll have big tables. He'll have proper kind of tasting paddles to, like, carry things around. Mm-hmm. Um, the goal was to raise $3,000, and, and people will kind of poo-poo the fact that this was a crowdfunding campaign campaign. Uh, for a new brewery like oh why don't they just pay for it scott has said he would pay for everything but the idea is to make people feel involved 
and part of the community. It's also, I mean, it's also just a good, it's a good marketing strategy. Sure. It's a good, uh, you know, awareness booster. We, we did one for, for the brew bus when we were opening up, uh, just to, to get the money to wrap the bus. And while we, we had that money, you know, we, we could have done that on our own. We wanted to get some community involvement and get some some awareness and people really excited about the idea and they got stuff in return for it. You know, yeah. our whole goal was if you got if you paid twenty five dollars, you got twenty five dollars worth of stuff. You got a t shirt that costs fifteen, you got a pint glass that costs five, you got stickers and other merchandise that cost another five. That's your twenty five dollars right there, getting that in return for helping us do what we needed to do to get off the ground. And Scott's gone about it the same way. His his rewards tiers have been fantastic where you're getting uh, your own uh, leader German beer stein. You're getting beer tokens that you can exchange. Uh, once the, the gardens are open, you can exchange for pours. Uh, you're getting a beer killer t-shirt if you go to a certain tier. Like, it's it's very much worth it. The, I'm looking at the, um, the fundraising page. The level that I, I submitted... Um, I, I did fifty bucks, um, where you get stickers, coasters, but then you get a liter branded glass, a half liter ceramic mug, two beer decals, which are uh, wooden mug toppers, mug toppers yeah. that you can put on, kind of like as, uses coasters, and six beer tokens. And I look at that, and it's like these are going to be really nice branded glasses. These are going to be drink tokens, yeah. and also I'm su- I'm supporting a product that I think is. Really fucking awesome. Oh, yeah. This isn't one of those, give me your money, and I'm going to make the brewery happen. It's, here's my product. This the this crowdfunding campaign launched on the day of the Kolsch release. Yes. Uh, and within a week was fully, the $3,000 he was trying to raise was fully funded. What did he get to? Over $47,000. 40, $47,000. 4700 $47, $47, Huh? Forty-seven hundred. Excuse me. Forty-seven thousand dollars. Now he reached his goal of three thousand in a week, um, but he got to one hundred and fifty-seven percent of that goal. So um, that's awesome, and it's going to happen. And these are going to be really fun kind of things. Yeah. Um, no, it's fantastic. Uh, but but we kind of got off track there. Going back to the original story that we were talking about, the third beer release for the Keller beer oh, yeah. um, is going to be at the Wig. Hashtag talk to Phil. Hashtag. <laughs> this hashtag blame Nick. Um, this Saturday, uh, the 16th from 4 to 11 p.m. Uh, this will be interesting because it is the wig. It's not an outdoor venue. It is no, a small for, underground for those dive of you bar. that have never been, and I, it, it pains me to know how many people in Colombia that, that I have taken there because it, it's such a great place, but because it's underground and because it's uh, often... Well, in its early days, it had a rightful reputation as like a basement hipster bar. Like, and it, the people in there were very uh, could be abrasive toward uh, toward outsiders in oh, their, yes. in their oh, clan yes. for sure. Uh, it is it is over the you know the past few years become far more accepting as you know as a social environment. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the best bar food in Colombia, I I argue the best. Um, some of the the best beer selection you can get. I mean, in the city, it's got you know. Yeah, Phil, um, the owner has done. Or not? He's not the owner, I guess. Yeah, Phil's part of. Phil's the owner. Yeah. Okay, sorry, Phil. <laughs> he uh, he's done a really great job of um, 
really expanding the beer list. And he's so he's super focused on local. He does first Thursdays, which in Columbia, on our main street here, uh, that's the first Thursday is this big outdoor kind of festival, not festival sort of thing, but they have live music and all the shops stay it's up a and street lane. crawl. Yeah, yeah, basically it's a street crawl, and you can actually drink on the street, which is exciting. Once a uh, month, once a month, you can drink on Columbia's main street outside. As you know, as long as you're not in front of a restaurant or whatever, but um. Uh, Phil's done a really great job of expanding the stuff, and it's, so it'll be cool to see another local brewery have its launch there. Even though I would imagine the place can get nuts, the place can be an absolute if, shit yeah, show. If, but I think it, people are going to still be respectful because, again, you're not drawn in the kind of crowd who's looking to get shitty. Exactly. If you go, understand it might be standing room only. They, uh, you know, oh, absolutely, they have a, a limited number of tables, and there's a good chance that you will be. Uh, you know, you'll be standing drinking your beer, and that's fine. Get the, get there early. They open right at four o'clock. Um, I'd recommend get definitely there between four and five. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, the, the Keller beer, and I'm just gonna read the description that's on the Facebook event. Uh, and again, if you want more details, uh, look up Beer Keller. This is that's B I E R K E L L E R, Keller beer. Same way, just spelled with the words. Backwards. <laughs> uh, release Beer Keller Keller beer release at the Wig, or go to. Uh, Beer Keller Columbia on Facebook or The Wig on Facebook, and you'll definitely find all the information you need there. But Keller Beer, uh, the name literally means cellar beer and is a rather broad style, but one rarely seen outside of Germany. Generally speaking, Keller Beer is fresh, unfiltered, unpasteurized lager. In Germany, most Keller Beer is served from oak casks, not unlike English cask ale. Carbonation is light, and the cloudy yeast in suspension adds both flavor and aroma. Uh-huh. Our Keller beer is an unfiltered Franconian farmhouse-style lager with a bready malt character that is balanced by soft carbonation and clean pearl hops. Clocks in at 5.3% ABV, higher than our Colombianer Kolsch, which is 4.8%. And with our brown beer, will also be on the menu. So if you haven't had a chance to try any of Beer Keller stuff, which is starting to show up in bars around town, this will be the place to try all three at one stop. You can get it all. They had me at Bready Malt. <laughs> uh, but uh, the wig, as usual with events like this, will be doing some really awesome food, uh, German-themed, of course, uh, and the full bar will always be there as well. Mm. So uh, I, I can't make it. I'll be out of town. I'm really upset. Me too. The sadness is uh, pervasive. Yeah, save us some, Scott. Um, so that'll be... Be cool, and you know, seeing where they go from there, you know, we'll we'll have a lot more details about them, and yes, and hopefully we'll have Scott on the show to to drink and talk, and, and yeah, just hopefully kind of hopefully we can get him to you know maybe we can do a special can you dig it where he brings all of them. Yeah, well, we're gonna dig all of them. We're well, not gonna, yeah, I mean that's already that's um, that's, that's a known entity. Yeah, <laughs> we'll play homers. Um, but let's see, the last thing, last kind of big late news story that we want to talk about um, is uh, the leaps and bounds being made at Frothy Beard down making, they're in, making the moves yeah. in, uh, in North Charleston. Uh, so to, to kind of recap what's happened since our last episode, um, Wesley Donahue, who is, uh, you may remember him from pub, poli- pub politics, not pug politics, although Wes, you should do that show. Different show. Yeah. <laughs> I would see to, <laughs> love to see your opinions. On pugs, as would many people I know. Um, but as Wesley Donahue, who is the owner of Push Digital, which is a 
uh, digital communications firm, which does a lot of uh, a lot of political campaigns as well as other stuff. Uh, they created the Soda City Suds Week website as well as the SC Brewers Guild website. And Wesley is very very uh, intimately involved with helping push legislation and kind of get the gears rolling on a lot of the law changes that we've had in recent past. Uh, he put a big uh, influx of capital into uh, the growth of Frothy Beard, mm-hmm. um, which is three really great guys in a really tiny spot off of uh, Ashley Phosphate in North Charleston, yeah, which could- if you know the Charleston area, you know how terrible... Ashley Phosphate is. It's like, it's the main <laughs> drag too. And yeah, I, I could not believe there are nicer parts of Ashley Phosphate. And this is not necessarily one of them. This is just an industrial sector. And I could not believe how small it was when yeah. I first went there. I was like, wait, is is this it? Do you I guys drove have, by it the first few days. There, there's have? no signs there. No. They didn't have, didn't have like, you now they have it. a wooden sign out front. And they yeah. have, a, I think, a painted mailbox. But they didn't have anything except just this little rickety wooden sign that was had their their logo guy pointing toward the brewery um but anyway after this this um new partnership um with with wesley uh the guys at frothy are going to be moving to uh the west ashley uh area the ashley landing shopping center to be exact okay uh 1401 sam rittenberg boulevard is their actual uh physical address uh, and they'll be opening a much larger and greatly expanded brewery uh, with any luck later this year. That's the plan. But, you know, those kind of things. Yeah, you know, you know. target dates are target dates. Mm-hmm. They, get, they get moved. Uh, but it's currently a three-barrel brew house, uh, and that's going to be... Well, the, the, the brew house is going to be expanded by 400%. I don't know if that means the capacity... Or the actual size of, of the, the building. So yeah. I would think the the size, because according to uh, a video that uh, was put up on Frothy Beard when the announcement was initially made, uh, it will have the largest indoor tap room in the Charleston area, oh. uh, which will be really nice to see. Uh, again, if it, if you while you have time, if you haven't been to Frothy Beard already, you need you definitely need to go. The beer is great, and the all the clientele are just really awesome people and the oh, owners yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, but it's just a really cool spot. It's really intimate. It's really small. They have old school video games, which always a good draw. They have a lot of food trucks out there. I think they just had, I don't know if it was the anniversary party, but they have wrestling out there every once in a while, <laughs> which is always fun to say. Yeah, sure. Uh, but this new location is also going to have Push Digital's new offices and Zombie Bob's Pizza. Uh, which I've yes. not tried, but uh, Joey at Frothy Beard uh, preaches the good word to me I've about heard, Zombie yeah, Bob all the time. Well, yeah. um, I think their owner was electrocuted recently. Um, not recently, as in like the past couple weeks or so, but a few months ago, he was electrocuted plugging in an outlet or something. I don't remember all the details, but it was pretty terrible, and he was hurt pretty bad. Bummer. Um, And I think, so he was out of commission for a while, so now... Hope he's okay. uh, He is. He's back on his feet. Good. Um, But uh, I guess it kind of gives the operation a whole new name, Zombie, or a different connotation. But Zombie Bob's is going to have a a brick-and-mortar location within the same kind of area. So um, you'll have this awesome brewery and this pizza shop right next door to each other and i believe i was told that 
they'll be making a special beer just for zombie bobs and they'll be using it in the dough and they'll have it on tap so yeah so that'll be cool um there's again there's no opening date um there's no um no real other concrete details no like blueprints or anything not out there publicly at least i'm sure they've obviously been looking at stuff behind the scenes but uh that'll be great so congrats to those guys um on, on doing big things and uh, again, we'll probably be talking about them down the line. Yeah, keep your ears peeled for our next semi-annual pod when uh, <laughs> we tell you about how they've been open for three months. By this time, uh, whenever we do our next podcast, we'll have you know some South Carolina brewery purchased by AB Bev or Miller Coors or something. Yeah. Um, Hopefully hope it's just a big one moving in. Maybe so. There's there's always rumors, man. I'm, I, I'm getting... I'm getting real tired of like just my friends in Virginia, like, oh, we got stone. Oh, Ballast Point's coming to Roanoke. Like, okay, cool, man. I get it. Fine. We, I just want one. Yeah. Here. What was the latest big one that was kind of going around? To shoot. To shoot, I think. Ever. Did they? Yeah. 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 I don't know. I kind of, I lose track of those things. I went, to, I went to New Belgium for the first time. Since it's been open in Asheville, oh cool! A couple weeks ago, how's that look? It was. It looked really nice. The beer was great. the The view. It's right on the river. The view of the river is fantastic. Um, I cannot go without mentioning. It smelled really badly. Really, like the tap room smelled like <laughs> uh, like grassy urine. I just assume that's what most of Colorado smells like, but it just smelled like a uh, <laughs> kidding. Like I a, love you, Colorado. Like a hot, hot urinal cake. So, I enjoyed the New Belgium spot. We uh-huh. went. We went outside to the mm. porch. Be- sure, because sure. of the the smell. But uh, hopefully, they figured that out. Yeah. yeah. Well, they haven't been there yet, so yeah. Let I'll, me know. I'll try not to pass judgment on. on Let me the, know when the, you go. the odor. Yeah. No, I th- I think it was great. <laughs> just figure that out. All right, so uh, moving on to, I guess we'll call this our top story. Um, <laughs> this is part of our new format. Um, one of the, 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 probably the biggest news story that's been happening in the, the South Carolina crap beer scene in the past couple, just the past couple months, mm-hmm. uh, has been the crackdown on events, um, beer festivals, special events, those sorts of things um, that really all kicked off at the South Carolina Brewers Guild Fest in Casey. Yes. Um, so, so what happened there? Um, kind of in short, was the festival was going well. Uh, the planning for it, everything was kind of getting ready to roll, and uh, it was just going to be a focus on all South Carolina breweries and no outsiders. Um, unfortunately, I don't think every brewery had a chance to well they had the opportunity to participate but they mm-hmm. for one reason or another they couldn't right, but they were all invited right. to uh and then and this is this is a little bit of some insider information uh not that you know you're getting a scoop on anything but uh with me working for Avenge distributing i kind of saw the other side uh there were a lot of issues with uh breweries donating kegs now if you're not familiar with this practice at a lot of events and festivals and things like that throughout the state, whether they're put on by a brewery or whether it's just a private organization or whatever, a pretty common practice has been for breweries to donate kegs of beer to 
a charitable cause or toward a fundraiser or whatever. So they can sell the beer or give the beer away and not have to worry about having to pay a couple hundred bucks for some half barrels and then keg deposits and all that, those sorts of things. Again, this is this is not a secret practice. This is a very open thing. No, widely. All widely the breweries do it. The distributors yeah. are aware of it. But uh, starting with the, the Brewers Guild Fest, uh, SLED, which is the agency that kind of over, oversees all that. I know DHEC is involved. Special law enforcement uh, um, state, state State law enforcement, law enforcement division? I don't know. S law enforcement division. Right. Um, <laughs> S, S Club 7. S, S, S Club 7 law enforcement division. That would be a great movie, actually. No, we're not going to get off on a tangent. We're... That sounds like focus, a, Nick. That focus. sounds like a porn parody. Continue. <laughs> um, but uh, there was a, a big crackdown um, on the donation of kegs. Uh, representatives from the brewery pouring beer at this festival that almost threatened to shut it down. Fortunately, everything was you know worked out, mm-hmm. and the festival went off pretty well. Yep. Uh, and everything kind of went from there. But since then. There has been a clarification of the law, which has been around since the 1990s, but has never really been enforced up to this point um, because it's not a major issue. Uh, so what the this, this crackdown means from, uh, and, and I'm pulling a lot of information, and you definitely need to go read this if you uh, are just hearing about this for the first time or if you want kind of a really nitty-gritty, uh, down-to-the-finest-detail look. It's thorough and readable. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Brooke Bristow, um, who owns his own uh, beer-focused law firm mm-hmm. down in the Charleston area and is also the executive director of the, uh, the Brewers Guild um, and has been a one of the biggest proponents we have in the state of craft beer and the craft beer laws, has an incredible, uh, precise breakdown on beerofsc.com, uh, the the headline, and this is maybe a little bit clickbaity, but it gets your attention, which is you know the purpose of this thing. But there's actual content to it. Is your special event is probably illegal now? So it could be eleven ways your special event is now. <laughs> at least it's not a goddamn listicle. <laughs> Looking at you, Buzzfeed. Um, so I'm, I'm pulling a lot of information from here, and I'm not going to cover everything, but really, please go read this story. It's, it is great, and Brooke is one of the most knowledgeable guys that you could ever meet, um, so kudos to him for kind of spelling this out for everyone. But uh, mm-hmm. DOR, uh, Department of Revenue, yes. interprets the laws and SLED enforces them. Um, and this is in South Carolina Code, Section 61-4-335, Blah, blah, blah. You know, there's, it sounds like you made that up. Yeah. Um, so there's there's a lot that is being interpreted, uh, but the, the one aspect of the law that is, is a focus is uh, for beer is a manufacturer or brewer must not sell, barter, exchange, transfer, or deliver for resale beer to a person not having a wholesale permit and a manufacturer, brewer, importer, or wholesaler of beer must not furnish, give, rent, lend, or sell directly or indirectly to the holder of a retail permit any equipment, fixtures, free beer, or service. 
Yeah. That is a lot of kind of legal, legal mumble jumbo. But here's what it kind of means in, in layman's terms. First and foremost, donations can't happen anymore. Nope. So Brewery X cannot donate kegs of anything to Event Y or Cause Z or anything else. Um, as Brooke points out, a 2015 appropriations bill includes a provision that allows wholesalers to donate to nonprofits. However, that provision expires at the end of June 2016, back before uh, when Brooke wrote this. And a similar provision for from the 2016 version will allow wholesalers to donate to nonprofits if the nonprofit event is providing an economic benefit to state revenue. So that's some... I guess silver lining. What does that even mean? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, basically, if you're not um, a nonprofit, or if you're a nonprofit trying to raise money uh, because you want to, you know, you give away beer or you're selling beer or whatever, you can't have South Carolina craft beer at your event yeah. unless you pay for it. So you may not end up making any money if you're buying this beer. Bad times. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and at events, beer festivals and stuff like that, uh, home brewers and home vintners are no longer allowed to pour their stuff. A lot of events have kind of had, and this is not just beer festivals. This can be like the bar down the road. One of the things that we had during Soda City Suds Week was this really great event at Random Tap out in uh, Chapin. Not Chapin. No, they're out in Elgin. Elgin. That's what it was. Yeah. The Northeast. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, it, was, it was a Suds and Sands thing. It was kind of a outdoor beach party. They built a bunch of sand. They had great food, great beer. Mm-hmm. But they also had a little homebrew competition off the side of people pouring their beer. That may not be possible under the law because at these sorts of events, you can't just have... Now, this was the homebrew shop pouring beer from homebrewers, not necessarily in connection with what was going on next door. I don't know. But basically, you, you know, you can homebrew all you want, but you can't serve it at any events because you're not paying tax on it. Yes. That's the big thing. Yeah. It all goes, comes down to, to tax revenue. Oh, it's all about tax revenue. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's why the stipulation that he, that he mentioned in the, the first, the, uh, the no more donations is if uh, providing an economic benefit to state revenues, again, I don't know what that means, but it means that the state is getting a cut in yeah, whatever, exactly. whatever capacity. So it's just, you know, more money it's, out it's of... It's kind of uh, like... It's it's illegal to sell marijuana in South Carolina, as it is pretty much everywhere else in the country. But you can go to the state and buy little stamps and put them on your bags of weed. So when you get busted for selling pot, they can't get you for tax evasion. <laughs> They'll bust you for selling illegal substance, but you're not going to get busted for evading taxes. So um, also don't do that because you go on a registry immediately. We do not endorse. And whether you buy them for just to, to have, say you have one, you're you're on the state's radar. So yeah, don't don't do that. Don't do um, that. Um, but also at these events, brew pubs can't pour um, because they don't have a distributor, and the distributor isn't giving revenue back to the state. Exactly. So uh, for for Columbia uh, folks, guys like Hunter Gatherer Brew Pub, uh, who do and uh, Twisted Spur Brewing who currently don't have any contract with a distributor uh, cannot be be present because they don't have any way to go through this distribution chain. Now, 
under the Stone Law, they are now eligible to sign with such distributors. But uh, to the best of my knowledge, neither have thus no. far. No, and I think that would classify you as a brewery, technically. Yes, it technically you wouldn't be turn, classified as a brew pub. You can still call yourself a brew pub because you have food and all that's You know, that's that's the layman's distinction is, do you have food? Cool, you're a brew pub. Yeah. Um, but uh, not not in all. It's that's one of those not all not all rectangles are squares. Right. Right. All squares are rectangles, kind of things like. Yes. River Rat sells food. Uh, but they're not a brew pub. They're a brewery. Yeah. Hunter Gatherer sells food, but they're a brew pub because they don't have a distribution. Yep. So distribution so. is the, the distinctive factor there, and that uh, prohibits you uh, from doing so. And then I think I think these last two, or not last two, these next two bullets are, are the ones that, that get me every time. Uh, and I'll tie two together. No producers pouring. So if you want to, if you're a brewer and you want to go to the festival, and or talk you or about, or you get any income, yeah, as a brewery, you can work in the tap room. Yeah, you can be the if guy you, that that drives around the forklift of pallets of kegs. If you if you represent the brewery, if you're an employee and you want to be there and educate the, the fine people at the festival on uh, your products and and give them you know the the honest scoop straight from the horse's mouth, if you will. Uh, you can't do that while pouring the beer. It has to be entirely volunteer-based as far as the pouring is concerned. And you can stand to the side, but that's about all you can do. And talk. So if you go to a festival now and the owner of you know, Conquest or, or the brewer of Coast or, or Frothy Beer, whatever, mm-hmm. is there... They can't pour you a beer. No. You have to have a volunteer or someone who is not directly connected to the brewery. Now, here's here's the thing that a friend of mine brought up who works for another distributor. Would that mean that distributor employees can't pour? Because they are receiving income from a given brewery. True, true. Here... The way that Brooke lists it, I mean, it's the the main bullet is no producers pouring. Um, yeah, we're not producing, but we're we're advent, me as an employee of Advantage Distributing. I my paycheck comes because because you're selling we sell yeah Advantage brand mm-hmm. beer. Yeah, mm-hmm. that means that only non-producer and non-wholesaler employees can do that. It's in the it's in that paragraph. So yeah, technically you can't pour either. That's great. Yeah, good times. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you need somebody that is uh, entirely uneducated to to be pouring you that beer, which is fantastic. It may not be uneducated. I know with, with Suds Week, we reach out to a lot of people. And a lot of festivals or, do a good job with that. Yes, I'm just, yes. I'm just you know. But also, again, this doesn't mean that you won't see brewers or brewery owners at festivals. No. They can stand at the table and talk to you about it's, everything uh, you're drinking, but they just can't hold that tap handle and board out for you. It's so much less of an because ins- that makes the biggest difference. It's so much less of an incentive for them to go now, though. I mean, now, okay, we can't pour. It's the hard beer. enough to get them to go to festivals exactly. sometimes. So, so um, now it's just another reason not to go. Uh, skipping a bullet, but things that I I, I think it uh, ties in with the same one. No equipment from producers. So a lot of breweries, because of these festivals that they have been able to go to and pour on their own in the past, uh, have their own jockey boxes and pouring equipment. And now, because of the uh, 
the new enforcement of the law, um, they aren't allowed to go and set up their own pouring equipment. The, uh, the equipment has to be provided by the distributors. So the, the wholesalers have to bring the beer because it can't be donated. It has to come straight from a wholesaler. And they also have to provide the, the jockey box as well for that the volunteers will use to pour the beer. So Yeah, and for those of you who don't know, jockey boxes are really fucking expensive. Yeah, it's it's basically just a glorified cooler with some tubes that, that coils. Coils, coils, yes. That uh it it cools the beer down as it travels through it, um, so that you don't have to necessarily have icy cold kegs to be able to pour at cold temperatures, uh, you know. Right, at, but, but, but you also, have, it's kind of, it's a mobile draft system. That's what it is. Yeah, so yeah, what yeah. you have at your favorite bar is you have the tube that uh, t- attaches from the spout to the coupler that goes, that the beer goes out of, and then you have another tube that attaches to the CO2 line that pumps CO2 into the keg and helps keep it carbonated. Helps, keeping helps it pressurized, keep it yeah. Uh, now you've also so this means you know you're gonna go to this really great festival and you're gonna have some volunteer who may or may not know about the beer stand there with a goddamn party pump, just cranking away at this super foamy beer uh. in this little four ounce glass. <laughs> I can just think about that. Now a lot of distributors have this equipment. Uh, I know Advantage has some a few jockey boxes that we pass around yeah, from yeah. for events. I know, I know KW, most distributors do. KW has some. But yeah, it's just it, yeah. So we're we've been going on a lot of this a lot, but there's other things that the law the or the new interpretation prohibits. Um, you, you can't have uh, producers host special events. Um, and, and reading this from book, it says since special events are being considered to be squarely in the retail tier, that means that a producer can't hold such a permit. Meaning, if your favorite brewery, winery, or distillery wants to put on a festival, they won't be able to do that, assuming it's under a special event. Uh, it's under a special event permit, so no more revival. No, that's I mean that's coast, and that's the uh, now it's the not the beer exchange anymore, but um, Edmonds Oast mm-hmm. I think are the two sponsors. Uh, so maybe they can work with another entity, but they won't be able to hold the permit. Which is you know which is crazy. It, those those were just starting to to start to. To pop up here in Columbia, uh, Riverette hosted their Oktoberfest last year. Yeah, yeah. So brought, that's that's done. Which brought a lot of breweries from across the state and from out of town. They they had some out of town breweries that you just don't see. So this does this mean no more bottle releases? Yeah, I you know, technically that's that's a special event. Granted, they are they are selling their own beer. I, I guess that would could be considered the same as. Yeah. No, actually, no, I don't think sales. bottle releases would count because you're not. It's not necessarily a special event. Now, if you're going to have other guest taps around, that may be that could be different. If you or if you're going to have to buy beer from another distributor, yeah, that could be something. Yeah, but I don't know. And then tasting, so tap takeovers, those sorts of things, uh, I believe would still be okay. Sure. Um, but you can't have something where a producer at a bottle shop or a grocery store sets up their jockey box and pours out their product exactly, for you while I talk exactly. about it. Why this, this crackdown has suddenly happened, uh, maybe for a whole nother discussion, uh, who knows the, the, the cause for it. 
I mean, it's revenue. May who so who may put it about that? You know, why why all of a sudden would these things become an issue? What what party may be interested in seeing you know little people kind of put down? I don't know. I'm just you know. I've got two thoughts. One, uh-huh. revenue. Yeah, you know, donations mean that mon- money is everything. But donations yeah. mean that there's, you know, there are taxes that are being uh, foregone to aliens. <laughs> Underpants gnomes. Yep. <laughs> My hair got really step, big. Step one. As I said, aliens. Reinforce currently standing laws. Step two, shrug. Step three, profit. Yep. <laughs> Pretty much. All right, so um, that's that's all the news we're gonna we're gonna get to for now. But um, we're gonna talk about some beer, maybe. Um, oh well, definitely cribbing this idea from uh, United We Drink, um, which was a now defunct podcast, but one that you should go back and listen to. Um, all right, a couple of great guys down in Florida. Uh, shout out to to Joel. We gotta get our obligatory shout out in there to somebody. Yep. Uh, Joel, I had one. That Joel and Mike, you got? Oh yeah, oh we did. Okay, we're good. Um, we got them. We got them. But uh, uh, and they're now defunct podcast. Um, they did what was the best drink you've had since last episode? So Cam, what's the best drink you've had in the last six months? <laughs> oh, oh God, that's so much. No, 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 not not that far. We won't reach that deep. I will say so. Recently, um, I will do. I'm gonna go. I'm going to try and do two. I'll do one that's hyper-local and one that I've had elsewhere. Uh, Good idea. Good idea. Hyper or, you know, local, um, I was able to obtain a couple bottles of the uh, June Princess from Carolina Barnhouse up in Anderson. This oh, nice. This is their first official bottle release, and uh, my girlfriend got me a couple for my birthday um, because I'm her June Princess, and... My birthday. He's blushing when he yeah. says those folks. Um, so we uh, we had one of those. Uh, I guess it was last week. We she had them for a while, and so we had one of those. Just a really fantastic uh, sour ale um, brewed. It's a sour rye brewed with apricot and I believe nectarine as well. Comes in in the mid sixes uh, ABV. Just fantastic flavor i mean i i was reading the description it was just like this might be my favorite beer ever i mean i'm a sucker for rye ales i'm a sucker for sours um i enjoy anything peach or apricot infused to a degree as long as it's not you know uh garishly sweet and this had the perfect balance of sour and fruity notes along with the uh the rye spice um i i could have done with a little bit longer finish just because I love like, you know, puckeringly tart beers, but this one just gave you that little bit of tartness and faded away nicely. Uh, just, just a really fantastic beer, especially for this hot summer. So I was very, very into the, uh, the June princess for Carolina Barnhouse. Um, they're just recently starting to get distribution across the state. So you can find them in the upstate, you can find them in Charleston and hopefully we'll, we'll get them down Columbia way soon enough. Um, but for South Carolina, that's the best that I've had, um, for, you know, I, I've traveled a a decent bit, been up to down to Atlanta, been up to Virginia. Um, 
I think I'll have to go with. Uh, I think I'll have to go. They have a uh, so the Answer Brew Pub, which we have tried some beer from there before on this podcast uh, in Richmond, Virginia, has uh, a series called the uh, the Andal series, which the owner's name is On, um, and they have a a handful of Randalls that they always have on top or on tap. And so on top, on tap, on top. Um, I was there this past weekend for my brother's bachelor party and they had, uh, a Randall of their, uh, good nightmare Mekong, which is a coffee infused oh. Imperial stout that they did with a uh, cigar city that was run through, uh, through coconut and vanilla bean. Uh, I was, it was called, uh, Oh crap! It was called something mounds, you know, play on the mounds, mounds candy bar. Right, right. And it was, I mean, it was fucking incredible. I, I had, I think, only a five ounce pour of it because it was, you know, ten and a half percent. I had already had a couple beers, but that stuff was unreal. Um, just perfect, you know, consistency, nice. Nice and thick with, you know, none of the flavors really outweighing the other way too much. Um, this is a fantastic beer. It's it's not distributed. You have to go to the answer in Richmond. But if you find yourself in Richmond, Virginia, do yourself a favor and go to the answer. That is the place to be. They have incredible IPAs um, as well as these these dark beers that they're doing through the Randalls. Um, I, uh, I'm a big, big proponent of theirs. And so... Yeah, those are those are the two best beers I've had in uh, at least the last few weeks. Maybe this in the last six months. Yeah. Nice, maybe. Um, I would say uh, local. Um, that may be the way we do it: is local and and not local. Um, the cucumber Kolsch from River Rat. I've heard uh, good things. Was just just absolutely perfect with the heat that we've had around here. Um, I had it before its release a couple of weeks ago. Um, I was actually out at River Rat doing um, some uh, deliveries and paperwork mm-hmm. during my my regular route, and uh, Tyler, one of the brewers out there, um, was nice enough to to give me a pour right off the bright tank. Uh, it's just their Kolsch with, uh, I think it was like seventy five pounds of cucumbers in that batch, Dang. and it's just absolutely perfect. I mean, it's no the the it's everything is in the name. It's just uh, a nice sweeter Kolsch. With this really incredible cucumber flavor, and it's in- so. If there was a little bit of a jolt there, we had a slight power outage. Um, but uh, going back to my uh, just love of this beer, no, it, it's it's just really good, and it's no frills, no muss, no fuss. It's just a good, really refreshing, really enjoyable. Perfect hot weather beer, and yeah. um, I've had plenty of it in the past few weeks. So, I'll, uh, hopefully, we'll be sticking around. Um, yeah, definitely want some more. Uh, as far as outside of that, it's been really hard. I've been thinking about it during the episode because, um, as I mentioned at the top, I've been in Tampa for uh, the past weekend for the the Beer Bloggers and Writers Conference, which was Nashville last year and Tampa this year, and, and obviously the Florida area. Uh, is not, you know, lacking in really great beer. I believe in the Tampa Bay area alone, there's 60 craft breweries really? with, with more on the way. Um, 
And obviously, there's there's the big names. There's Cigar City. Uh, everyone probably knows about Cigar City. Yeah. And, and if they've not tried them, then maybe they want to. Maybe they don't just to say whatever. Or I don't know. I don't care. Um, but we had so much good stuff. And it's cool to, to go down to that area and be able to try a lot of the new breweries. Um, I was there a couple years ago and was able to go to uh, Dunedin and Seventh Son and Rap, who is very well known for their Goza, and Green Bench, and uh, Cycle Brewing, which is one of those, again, big, like, Wales bra kind of breweries, because mm-hmm. they just do so many big barrel-aged imperial stouts and sours and stuff like that. But I'll say, uh, my new favorite Florida brewery uh, has to be Coppertail in Tampa, uh, they, there was just so much good stuff that I had from them. Uh, they were at the dinner, um, the, the beer and food pairing dinner we had on Friday evening. Um, they hosted us for the progressive dinner on Saturday evening. And it was just, it's a beautiful spot. It's two levels, indoor and outdoor. Um, I was able to talk with a couple of the employees there and they were incredibly nice people and really open and and they make so much good stuff. We were actually drinking earlier a beer called uh, uh, Cara Flora, which is a uh, Florida Weiss, which is the term the Floridians use for it, which are these really colorful, really fruit-forward Berliner Weisses mm-hmm. um, that had Cara uh, Cara oranges. And um, I'm actually going to look it up because I don't want to... Um, some sort of... It was some hibiscus? I think it might have been, yeah, uh, Car Car Oranges and Hibiscus. Yeah. Really, really good. Uh, they had one called Whoops, which was Cranberry and Hibiscus. Um, so really, really great stuff. And also when I was over at Cycle on um, uh, Sunday after the conference ended, I did a little trip over there just to try some places and meet up with some family. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a beer called Palette 7, which is one of their big bottle release beers. It's a barrel-aged Baltic Porter which was crazy good. My hangover, if my, my hangover wasn't as bad as it was, I would have enjoyed it a whole lot more. <laughs> um, but probably the best beer that I've had during the entire trip uh, was a beer called No Sex in the Dessert Room, uh, which was <laughs> such a great name. Um, but it's just a 7% chocolate stout with vanilla and coconut. Cert- I think it was a certain type of vanilla and a certain type of coconut. Mm-hmm. But looking at the untapped information, it's just vanilla and coconut. It was absolutely transcendent. It was just such a good, 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 good beer. It was really, the mouthfeel on it was really nice. It wasn't too creamy. It wasn't too, wasn't too rich. It wasn't too dry. It was just right in the middle. The flavors and the vanilla and the chocolate and the coconut were just, just beautiful. They worked so well together, and it was such a well done beer. I hoped to bring some home, but apparently it's. It was a one-off, really limited one-off release. that had a little bit left. Don't you hate and that? And I was, yeah, I wasn't able to get any package to bring home to share with folks. But um, if if you ever come across some, um, uh, I cannot recommend it enough. As oh, it was just so good. Just thinking back on, I'm, I'm mad I couldn't bring any home because I just want some now. <laughs> um, and then I've also got to give in shout-out fashion. Um, just a, a, a heads up to uh, to J Dubs. Um, they had a, uh, a beer at, uh, met one of the guys, uh, from the brewery down there. It's in Sarasota. Um, I think they're about two years old. 
Uh, J Dubs, is J, that, yeah, that's capital J D U B S. Okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, one of the, the guys from the brewery was at the uh, the conference, and he was really awesome. And then during uh, we did a live beer blogging session where basically. Uh, this was Saturday evening. They had representatives from a bunch of different breweries represented by J.J. Taylor, which is, I believe, the Bud distributor down in that part of Florida, okay. which has Cigar City and Sierra Nevada and Saltwater and St. Pete and a bunch of other uh, Florida breweries. Uh, J-Dubs is one of them. And they had a, uh, a beer called uh, Bell Cow. And I want to make sure I get this right because it's, it's not a chocolate porter. I believe it's uh oh shit oh I just typed in jubs made with shit <laughs> it's made with jugs um <laughs> it's a uh, it's a milk chocolate porter um okay. yeah so it's not a chocolate salad milk chocolate porter um very dry really chocolatey really good chocolate milk flavor um just awesome so just want to give a a heads up, if J-Dubs comes across your way, drink them as well. They're super awesome. Um, but yeah, Florida was not short on really good beer and had plenty of bottled shares and great experiences with folks, but just kind of showing some love down there. Please go to Coppertail if you go down to Tampa or if they come across your way. They're making some really awesome stuff. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's about it. Yeah. Um. So... I think that brings us to the end. Just about, yeah. This this evening has been fueled by a handful of beers and some some renewed desire. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Thanks for listening. If you've gotten uh, this far into our uh, our out of nowhere ramble, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> Marmaduke, Marmaduke as always. Um, uh, again. Um, I'll second camp. Thank you for listening. We uh, we're we're really trying to make this a serious thing again. Um, it, it got a really good following, small but very passionate following when um we started up late last year and into into uh, I guess almost the new year. I can't remember. I think it was December or January last episode Somewhere that we here, did. Yeah. Um, but we're hoping to keep this up. If you have any recommendations or suggestions on what you would like to hear, if there are stories that you would like to hear us talk about, if there are, you know, opinions you want to hear from us, if there's beer you think that we should check out, yeah. um, please, by all means, let us know. Again, you can find us on Twitter at DrinkPodRepeat. Yeah. Uh, we're also on Facebook at DrinkPodRepeat. Um, we'd love to hear from you, and, you know, please don't be too mean to us. We, no. We're both very sensitive. We have men. soft... <laughs> Soft uh, exteriors and interiors. We we bruise like peaches. Um, um, if you would like to sponsor us, and your name is Phil Blair, <laughs> also find us uh, at all of those all those media outlets. Um, or you know, call us or text us yeah. and write us a check. That'd be yeah, pretty cool. Be we need cool. you know we need some new some uh, mic stands are the one thing I really want. Mic stands, yeah. wind screens. I think would those be nice. Cool, those cool little tabletop stands. Yeah, that's all we need. Nothing fancy. Well, yeah, we've been like debating for basically this whole time how far away to hold the microphone from our mouths. If we sound like robots, let us know. Or if uh, you know, if you're into hardcore music, that's how close I'm holding the mic to my face right that's now. That's true. Just trying to scream. Um, 
we don't have a, uh, a headphone splitter, so Cam is currently uh, doing doing equalizing while I'm doing my best to not say too many T's or P's. Just, I say as I pull the mic away. We're just hoping the levels are good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thanks again for listening. Um, you can find me, Nick, at Drink Blogger Pete on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, I'm going to try some new things in the blog. If you've been reading it, uh, give me your thoughts or shoot me some information about what you would like to see, Q&As or videos or whatever. I'm just going to try some new shit. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. We'll, 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 we'll go from there. And uh, Cam? Nick? No, where can they find you? Oh, <laughs> you can ride a bus and drink some beer with me. Yeah, at, ride the brew bus. At Columbia Brew Bus. Um, we're we're going to be ramping up for some new uh, fall activities. Uh, I think we're going to do some bar crawl slash pub crawl type stuff as opposed to just going to breweries. We're going to go and hit up some of the, our favorite uh, local watering holes. Um, there will be beer and food included uh, in the tickets. Um if you're a college student, we're going to start doing some student nights, stuff like that. So, yeah, come find us, uh, Columbia Brew Bus. You just reminded me that school's going to start up again soon. Right. I'm not looking forward if to that. If you're a college student, please still come ride the bus. But yeah, you know, no, please. Uh, yeah, help. Yeah, w- just the traffic. You'll enjoy it. Just the traffic. Yeah, mostly. just a... Oh, that's another conversation for another time. Maybe next time we record, the students will be back. But hopefully not. Hopefully, uh, no. we'll be back soon. And um, we got this. You know, drink local, support SC beer, and just be awesome. Woo! Yep. Well. And bye. Hi, everybody.